I, I, again, again, we have this situation where the where you know the ambition is there, the desire is there to really move beyond, and and really um, change our energy system, but it's not being backed with the necessary um, the the necessary targets, the necessary policies that actually make that shift uh, make that shift happen. And that was REN21's Laura Williamson, and this is the Power for All podcast, a forum for leaders working to end energy poverty. I'm your host, Matuba Masachi, standing in for Christina Skierka, founder and CEO for Power for All. In today's episode, we will be dissecting the Renewables 2022 Global Status Report recently released by REN21. Now, REN21 is, is a think tank and a multi-stakeholder governance group that is focused on renewable energy policy. Laura Williamson is responsible for directing the membership and institutional partnerships work at REN21, the Renewable Energy Policy Network for the 21st Century. Previously, she led REN21's outreach and communication work, anchoring the organization's work in the renewable energy sphere. Power for All is a global campaign of over 300 partners around the world dedicated to ending energy poverty faster. You can learn more about Power for All on our website, powerforall.org, the socials, and of course, our fantastic newsletter. As a 501c organization, Power for All depends on the generosity of listeners like you, please consider supporting our work at powerforall.org forward slash donate. Laura, welcome to this episode and thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for inviting us. Now, let, let's start with this huge project, which is the, the report, about 300 pages I saw. And tell us what goes into putting together such a huge project like this one. Well, thanks. This is a large report. It um, is very much a product of how REN21 works, which is that we do crowdsourced knowledge. So this comes from our community. We have a community of over 3000 experts around the world working on renewables and energy efficiency. And it's through them, through their work, their data that we put together this report. So this report is based this year on over 600 people contributing, contributing data knowledge, com contributing their, um, their time to review the report, to really make it the most timely and most accurate report available on the status of renewables globally. Thank you for that answer. Now let's get a bit into the report because it says the historic opportunity to transition to greener industrial methods has been lost. Um, where did where, where did things go wrong, Laura? I mean, where did things go wrong? I think I think where we can really see a marker is that you know we had many governments committing to net zero greenhouse gas emissions in, in 2021, which is really sort of seen a, a marker. We also saw the International Energy Agency 
uh, that was first created to, to really uh, secure fossil fuel supplies for OECD countries come out with their net um, emission, a net zero um, uh, report, and really sort of flagging the need to move from a fossil fuel based system. And um, so this was really sort of a, you know, sort of a high point. Uh, but what we're seeing now is that, you know, in response to the current energy crisis, which is being fueled by the unfortunate invasion of Russia in Ukraine, that most countries have gone back to seeking out new sources of fossil fuel and burning even more coal, oil, and, and natural gas. And so we're seeing this default um, back to sort of what is known rather than what is the best thing to do. And, and what's ironic here is that renewables are the least cost solution. Um, the cost of renewables has been declining steadily over the past decade, if not longer. We're starting to see much higher shares of renewables in the, the power sector. Uh, we're starting to see increasing electrification of the transport, um, heating and cooling sectors. So, you know, we have this forward momentum. And yet in parallel, uh, we're still seeing fossil fuels being subsidized at the rate of 11 million US dollars per minute. So we have the solutions, but we're defaulting back to uh, bad habits, so to speak. And, and you know, you, you preempted my next question, which was the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine as one of the setbacks. And the, the report also labeled it as the worst energy crisis in modern history. And do you think there will be an aftermath where we're going to pick up the, the pieces and try to go back to renewables as as an option going forward? I think we almost need to. I mean, I, you know, by the end of end of 2021, we gas prices had reached about 10 times the, 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 the 2020 levels in Europe and Asia, and they had almost tripled um, in the US. So we had this huge spike in wholesale electricity prices and across major markets by, by 2021. And the result is, is sort of twofold. On one hand, we're getting these windfall profits um, for the fossil fuel industry. But at the same time, we're having um, a real surge in, in energy poverty where countries um, and communities are just simply unable to buy the energy resources um, that they need. You know, for example, in Spain, currently 17% uh, of the population is experiencing some level of energy poverty. So we're really seeing a huge, you know, a huge knock-on effect. And um, unless, unless governments can really get this prices and the price volatility under control, um, there's going to be serious social backlash. And I think one of the challenges is, is how do we not slip back into perpetuating this system by um, subsidizing um, costs or subsidizing access, but really go with what is already proven to work and be cheaper and be resilient to these uh, price fluctuations, which is renewables, which you know bring um, energy security and ultimately energy sovereignty. Yeah, and and you know you know it, despite the 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 war that we see, more countries were still still went back to seek, seeking fossil fuels despite the collective 
you know, commitment to net zero greenhouse gas emissions in 2021, as you rightfully said when we started, are, are there foreseeable implications of this crisis? We're moving further away from meeting ambition um, with, with, with action. Uh, and as I mentioned, we've got the instability, the increasing instability, the increase of prices and the increasing um, energy poverty. And the irony is it doesn't have to be this way. Um, you know, renewable energy brings much more than just energy um, energy services. Um, you know, there are many opportunities and, and benefits uh, tra- to tra- from transitioning to a renewable energy-based economy, um, which includes the ability to achieve a more diversified and inclusive um, energy governance through localized energy generation, the creation of, of local value chains. And, you know, we've seen that countries that have higher shares of renewables in their total energy consumption um, enjoy greater energy independence and security. So, you know, I, I again, again, we have this situation where, there, where, you know, the ambition is there, the desire is there to really move beyond and and really um, change our energy system, but it's not being backed with the necessary um, the the necessary targets, the necessary policies that actually make that shift uh, make that shift happen. Mm. And and this is the seventeenth edition of your stock taking of renewable energy deployment around the globe. What would you say about this latest report that's different from the previous ones? Um, I think what's what's different about this one is that we're really moving into a more systemic approach. So when the series was first created in two thousand and five, it was really looking at where do we stand with regards to renewable energy uptake? So very much the supply side, looking very much at the technologies, which were the technologies that were really taking root to provide um, renewable energy-based um, services. And now we're, we're sort of looking more globally, but sort of at, at, at the trends and really to link supply and demand. So Yes, still looking at the technologies, uh, but also looking at uh, end use sectors, for example, uh, the transport sector, uh, the building sector, industry, um, cities, and of course, um, energy access. And the reason for us wanting to do this shift is that we really want to focus at kind of the overall systemic transformation um, that is needed, which is the technology side, but is also the economic and social transformations that need to occur in order to really anchor uh, renewables and energy efficiency as the, um, the basis of our energy systems. You guys are really doing commendable work. I must say congratulations for this latest report and thank you. And on 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 a, on a follow up question, I would say you know the, the report paints a rather grim picture of reaching the set goals of reducing carbon the carbon footprint. Is there a way you know to save the situation at this point? Well, you know, I'm going to sound a bit like a cheerleader, um, but I mean, renewables renewables are the uh, are the way to go. You know, they've become the least cost source for new power generation globally. Um, 
costs have been declining for the, the past 10 years. And we know that investing in renewable infrastructure today means providing um, these clean energy services in, in the future um, at a fixed price as renewables don't have a fuel cost uh, and they have very low operational costs. Um, it, it also is, is as, as I said earlier, you know, it really is um, a system that is built on an inclusive governance structure. Um, so many players can participate and benefit. And, you know, what do I mean by that? Um, because renewables are scalable, they can be very small, uh, decentralized systems all the way up to large scale um, grid-based systems. There is by default, um, a, a much larger opportunity for people to become involved in the energy decision-making process, whether it be community energy, whether it be at the household level with regards to, you know, where you would like to source your energy services, um, in communities with um, around um, community power operatives or even uh, local mini-grid systems. So, there is, you know, there is, there is a way to to really um, look at this a, a, in a positive side, and I think also too, what what is interesting for those who who maybe feel that renewables are still peripheral, is the fact that we are seeing an increasing number of PPAs. Uh, power purchasing agreements by corporations for renewable electricity because they are seeing firsthand the value of uh, renewable power because of the fact that it provides uh, regular, stable, uh, quality power um, that keeps prices at, um, uh, you know, the, the, they don't, they're not subject to increasing or fluctuating um prices. In fact, and I was just trying to think off the top of my head, um, the number of um, power purchasing agreements, the total number of um, gigawatts that are actually now under contract through these uh, power purchasing agreements. Um, unfortunately, I don't have the number right off the top of my head. I haven't quite managed to, uh, to memorize uh, the full report um, at this at this stage, uh, but it is it is significant and it is growing. And you know, I'm going to sneak in. This oh, question. here, here, I found it. No, no, sorry, I, I sorry, I'm going back on myself. No, 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 no. It was just because it is an impressive number, so I think it's important to say. So we've had 24 percent growth of corporate PPAs, um, and so we currently now have 31, just over 31 uh, gigawatt increase in 2021 that are secured under these PPAs. Yeah, that, that, that is an impressive number. That, that's quite an impressive number. And I, I was about to say, I'm, I'm going to sneak in a question about, you know, the reluctance to move to renewables, because as I'm speaking to you from South Africa in Pretoria, we're going through, you know, uh, scheduled power cuts. And, and that's because our our grid can can't handle us anymore because we are a growing population and things are changing and and do, do what what is the most said thing to you in in corridors where you've been talking about renewable energy about the reluctance to move to renewables especially for the old traditional grids the reluctance often stems from a lack of understanding that renewables can meet the energy needs of a population it also stems from vested interests 
um, and the fact that um, there is a real risk of uh, stranded assets. And so the, the question is now is these systems are in place, but how can we complement them and migrate to a renewable-based energy system um, that can provide the necessary energy services um, to growing populations and 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 growing need. There's this um, there, there, there's a bit of a, um, a perception, a persisting perception that renewables um, can only meet some of our energy supplies, uh, but that's not the case. I mean, we're seeing countries actually moving to having much higher shares of renewables, mandating much higher shares of renewables in their um, uh, economy-wide energy mix. And so it's a question of, it's a question of changing perception. It's a question of understanding how renewables uh, can meet those energy needs. And it's also a question of governance. I think that um, unfortunately in many, many countries, uh, the energy situation is not very transparent. Um, and there are real um, governance issues into how um, the provision of energy services is managed uh, and who benefits um, and who unfortunately um, does not. And I do agree with you about the there are governments who are willing to do the energy mix and incorporate it into their economies. Like we a project we are working on in Uganda, Utilities 2.0, where you see a integrated approach to energy energy production, which works perfectly there. But despite those kind of good um, news about you know integrated approach, there seems to be a wide gap between ambition and action on the part of countries that are still paying trillions of dollars for fossil fuels. Would you agree that this is a direct setback for campaigns like Power for All or Rent 21, SE for All and so forth, and others who are actually advocating for the end of energy poverty and the use of de and decentralized re renewable energy? Mm. Um, yes, it's a challenge, but I like to call myself a pessimistic optimist. Um, you know, the stakes are too high. Uh, we have the effects of climate change, we have poverty, uh, we have lack of energy access, and we're also, you know, we also have regions of the world, the African continent being one, where the economic potential, the, the economic, uh, the economic potential, also the potential for innovation are not being tapped into because of a lack of access to a wide range of energy services. But but we know that renewables can, can deliver and everybody needs to contribute. Uh, we need data, we need communication, you know, we need debate. Um, and this is where organizations like Power for All, REN21, SE for All and others you know, can really bring these communities together, um, including those who are outside of the renewable energy sector. I think we have to become much better uh, at speaking to those who are not yet convinced, who are not yet um, on the renewable energy bandwagon, and and really identify those those points of, of commonality. I, I really believe that we have far more in common um, than, we, that, than we think we do. And, um, you know, if, if we're going to make the energy transition happen with renewable energy, clean, sustainable, uh, renewable energy, um, then 
we need to we need to work collectively but we also need to to really call for and really push for short and and long-term targets um that are coupled with a clear end for fossil fuels we cannot achieve a renewable energy and energy efficiency based economy while continuing to depend on fossil fuels so we need to push on one side the renewable energy and energy efficiency side uh, but we also need to really address this um, elephant in the room which is the continued direct and indirect subsidies uh, for fossil fuel and my perhaps maybe this will be my last question to you laura but I, you know from one communicator to another i just now that you've done this work you know it's a mammoth task that you guys had and put this report together and I've, i i have found that you know m- communicating this kind of a report or the findings of this report to mainstream media has been a bit of a challenge and maybe you could share a recipe that rent 21 has of how do you disseminate such information on mainstream media so that we can inform people and people can make their own choices and be as democratic as possible in owning their own energy how how do you get to mainstream media to communicate such a, a big report um from ren 21 side everything we do is based on data and information so that the starting point is always what is the da- how do we prove what we're saying every statement that we make as an organization is backed up with robust latest data and i think that is very much an important entry point if there's hyperbole out there if there is levels of drama that cannot be substantiated then we we open ourselves up for warranted uh criticism so from ren 21 side it is always fundamental that every statement can be proven and that we then link that data to clear simple messages that also provide an a way forward um we need to be realistic about where we stand and what the risks are but we also have to we also have to provide a solution it's very easy to be critical um but that doesn't really help us in moving forward and so um our work focuses on always focuses on the data the very strong data Uh, visuals that are are easy to understand paired with what are the ways forward and what are the ways that we can work collectively to make this future a reality Laura thank you so much for the for your time we really appreciate you for your insights today and good luck for the future and thank you again for this great report that's really giving us the insights into what's going on in the renewable energy sector thank you and thank you for the opportunity of speaking with you i really enjoyed it oh great stuff i'm sure we'll co- collaborate some more in the future Power for All is a global campaign of over 300 partners around the world dedicated to ending energy poverty faster. You can learn more about Power for All on our website powerforall.org, the socials and of course our fantastic newsletter. As a 501c organization, Power for All depends on the generosity of listeners like you. Please consider supporting our work at powerforall.org/donate.